0: Welcome to the Bread and Cup Podcast, hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup Podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup Podcast. I'm Shauna.
1: And I'm Corey. And this week in our cup is a Veranda Blonde um, Starbucks blend. Coffee. Again, who would have thought? But, uh, and then... uh, This
0: time it has half and half in it.
1: Our bread this week is one of my favorites. Um, And that is cookies made by our daughter, Elle, who is particularly good at making cookies. Um, mm-hmm. She's like kind of nailed this recipe thing where they have the nice crunchy crisp outsides and nice and gooey in the middle, and they're they're quite wonderful. They're chewy, and we would share them with you, but uh, we are we're going to eat, eat them all. all. That's yeah. pretty much what's going to happen.
0: These so. also have dark chocolate and white chocolate chips in them. So Which they... typically,
1: I wouldn't care about the white chocolate, but the extra sweetness is nice. Yeah, for cookies like
0: this. Yeah, and she salted it just. It feels balanced. Yeah, it's really good stuff. A new favorite in our house is binging with Babish. We watch one every night with the kids.
1: Yeah, we're gonna run out at some point. That's gonna be sad.
0: It'll be okay. We'll just start back at the beginning. Yeah, and she in particular looks forward to seeing them because she likes being in the kitchen, and we are always grateful.
1: Exactly. Uh, But this week, um, we are talking about the uh, ideas of hope, and um, some of this came up when uh, we were having a discussion, or when I, actually, I was going into Christmas, um, the Christmas season, so a while back now, but, um, and... That was it. Was one of the topics that was part of the advent that was going on. Mm, yeah, and I was I was reading. I watched the you know I, I like the Bible Project, and they were talking about hope and how we view hope, and you know again you know we talk about the English language versus biblical language, and yep. how there's in in some of the you know. The Bible is written in multiple languages, but in the original Greek and Hebrew and different things, they have different words for what we modernly in the English language translate to the word hope. Yeah, and so there's a there's different context to it, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. um, Sort of
0: the way we use like the difference between hope and wish. Yeah, and want right that all of those could really. I, I want you to have a good weekend. I wish you a good weekend. I hope you have a good weekend. We sort of, we kind of can use them interchangeably, but but we don't. Like right. We choose one or the other based on, I don't know, the context, I guess. Or Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the big question is uh, kind of what is hope and what is the proper definition when we're talking about this from a... Um, I'll say from a biblical perspective, but I just for a, from a perspective of, maybe a
0: faith perspective is a better, a better way, way to say it. it. Yeah, not yeah.
1: to like obviously as Christians, like biblical is our our mandate. But I I do think from a faith perspective of when we talk about hope or when you talk about giving people hope or yeah. instilling hope, what what all is kind of wrapped in that package, yeah. so to speak.
0: Yeah, it's a a great discussion, and you and I have had. A few lately, as we've pivoted in some places in our own life where um, I have said to you, I just don't feel any hope about fill-in that topic. And I mean, in those, that doesn't mean that as a human or as a Christian, I'm hopeless in my life, but about that circumstance or that decision, that there just there wasn't any hope for me that, that, that situation is going to resolve. And, and I would say in that way, hope could easily have been replaced by the word trust. I don't trust that you and I have the tools or I don't trust the people that are the decision makers that this is going to turn out in a way that feels safe to me or feels desirable to me, depending, you know, we've, we've had a couple of these kinds of conversations, so I guess it depends. But I think, um, that concept of, of trust as this inner underpinning is really um, to me that really captures the difference between sort of generalized cultural hope, which really is just wish um, and something that's a little um, a little meteor that our faith tells us no no, there is reason to trust that that this will be that this will come to a resolution, even if it's not quite the way. You, yeah. know, you don't get what you want. It's not a vending machine, but there's reason to trust what's underneath this.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good kind of distinction to make. And I always come back to the story of Job and, and what that book of the Bible is all about. And mm-hmm. the, the story of Job being, you know, he... Everything is taken from him, right? You know, it, the the story, at least the, the I'll call it a parable or the 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 fairy tale of it, because it was not necessarily a true story. But um, this the narrative around it is this idea that Satan goes to God and says, "Look at this," you know. God's like, "Look at my good and faithful servant down here." And then Satan takes everything. And says, "Well, if you he didn't have all of these wonderful things, then he wouldn't be your faithful servant." And so God says, "Well, go ahead and take it all away from him." And and the whole discussion is Job having these discussions with friends and having these discussions with God about like God, why is this terrible stuff happening to me? And we always look at it as um, because at the end of the story, right? Job gets everything back times like fourfold or something like that. I think it's tenfold. I think it's tenfold too. But I didn't want to overcommit on God's behalf. Um, (laughs) I I think God can handle it. Mm -hmm. But you know, so. So it's like Joe gets everything back, and so people love that part of the that story because yeah. it's like, well, God said, "Oh, you don't trust me. You're going through tough times. Don't you? Don't you trust that I'm going to get there?" And that's kind of what he's saying. But that's, but we use that word trust in that sense of like, don't you trust that I'm going to go ahead and give that all back? You to lost you?
0: your job. You're going to get one that's five times better.
1: Right. And we look at that. And, and we see that story as yeah. that promise, and that's actually not the promise. If you actually read through that story, God says things like, I take care of all of this stuff, and you think you losing this tiny little bit is like that I'm not, that I'm not still in control of everything? Yeah. Do you not trust that even when you're having bad things, that I still have good in mind for you? Do you yeah. not trust that despite the fact that things in your tiny little worlds are not perfect, that I'm not still the God that 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 keeps all this keeps moving. all this thing yeah. stuff moving. And yeah. and I think that to me a lot of this goes back to hope and trust of we we oftentimes I always hear people when they doubt their faith, mm-hmm. they say, how can God allow bad things to happen? Mm-hmm. And I and we like to twist that and go, well, God, bad things happened so that good things will come out of it. And I actually, first of all, I think that's a really messed up way of viewing God um, is that he's and like- that he'll
0: create chaos so he can rescue us. That's manipulative.
1: Right. And I look at it and I go, no, no, no. Bad things are happening, yet we hope or we trust yeah. that God is still there. Present and in control. Yeah, he's not he's not moving the chess pieces, but he knows everything but that's happening the on the board, <laughs> <laughs> right? And he knows everything yeah. that's happening, and he is not there to see ill will on us, right? Or manipulating the board so that we trust him later, right. or to, to to get us to do something and act a certain way. But instead, he's he's always faithful and trustworthy. Yeah, and worthy of our hope. So. So that is, yeah. uh, maybe that's a little bit of a out of left field, but...
0: No, I love that. And I think we, I mean, we can connect this to some other big thinkers. D.R. Uh, D. Denton and uh, Semeleos. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It is a biblical scholar um, academic journal. He says, uh, God is the basis of hope because of his known character, his past deeds of salvation, and his covenant with Israel. Uh, and so he's speaking about some of the Bible verses regarding hope and why we can hope um, in God. And I think, um, so my maternal grandparents are Catholic. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I love about the liturgical tradition is that it is built into their pattern of services that you're retelling the stories. Mm -hmm. And in our Protestant and, and even, I mean, we're in an evangelical church tradition. Um, there isn't a habit of retelling the stories. I mean, we have. That's
1: why we, I forgot we, it with tenfold, not yeah, fourfold.
0: <laughs> sure. So. Um, it's it, and I think, and I mean, it's not just the biblical stories, although I think that's very important, but sort of just the stories of rescue, and you you actually see mm. this a bit in the black church tradition. That so much of the tradition and the theology and um, the church pattern was oral for a very long time. I mean, certainly not now. There's brilliant written scholars that, you know, are yeah. black scholars, but um, in early days of the United States, um, it was an oral tradition. And so there's this habituation of retelling the things that God did as a reminder of what he can do. Yeah. Um, and we just, It's not that we don't do it. We sort of share stories. There's like testimony time. But to me, it feels distinctly different. Um, And maybe that's just us. Um, But it feels distinctly different than the liturgical traditions or the Hebrew tradition. And just to tack on to that, um, one of my current favorite songs, I listen to it probably 10 or 15 times a week, is the The Story I'll Tell by Maverick City. And it literally is just a song about about how the hope in God is the story I'll tell, that I'll remember no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to go back and I'm going to retell myself the stories of when God was faithful to me or faithful to people in my world, where yeah. I got to witness the good that happened, that, that basis of hope because of his known character. Hmm, like, what was really- that time when, you know, when we first moved out to Washington and we had like, so, not any money, and I mean we were we were just making it, and yet we never didn't make it sometimes pretty good at math, you're great at math, sometimes we could objectively say the math on that month didn't work
1: out. I remember that I remember coming out of certain situations I mean, like
0: I'm not sure yeah. how we afforded that, but we did, and we still have some money we st- our emergency account is mostly intact. Like it'll take us two months to catch that up. You know, like these, these situations where, and certainly that's financial and what a, you know, what a uh, a capitalist U.S. perspective, but even faithful things like bringing our daughter through surgery. We had every reason to believe that she would be fine, but there's risk inherent in that. And she was fine and it was great and, and it helped her. And that known component, that known character of God in the way that he has over and over again across time came to our rescue. Um, I want to be better about telling that story because when I tell you that I feel hopeless about X, Y, and Z situations, it's really just because I've lost sight of yeah. the story that I need to be telling.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think we've shared different things from our past about about feeling, losing trust in things. and I, But I think back on my own experience of a couple years ago um, where I came to a conclusion that I had lost hope, right? And I, I had lost hope not that God wasn't a good person, right? Which is where I think a lot of people sit. They're like, well, God is good, right? Because we hear that all the time. Again, we iterate yeah. that all the time, so we believe it, right? Yep. But then, but I had gotten to a point where I believed that God was good, but I didn't trust that His good was what I wanted or needed, and yeah. and that is different, right? And I think that again, not to harp on the Book of Job, but I think that that was the point of what when God was talking about, like, hey, you got to trust that all this stuff, like, I'm I'm here, I'm in control. Yeah. And I know what's going on and I know what's best yeah. and I'm going to work it out and you're going to be okay. And it may not be what you want, but you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, um, that is, is something that I know that I struggle through on a regular basis is like, mm-hmm. how do I, how do I trust and how do, how do we build within ourselves? more trust but also not just in God. I'm going to like take this to like in trust in each other. Yeah. There's a really interesting data that's coming out and I've been studying this for some of my some stuff going on with my work and other things. And um and it is this idea that we actually for many many years we trusted or had hope in I'm um, we're just gonna, I'm going to interchange hope and trust here, but like um that we trusted Media, we trusted uh, politicians and government and the use of government, um, and that that has deteriorated over time. And you could have a big long political discussion, or or and we will not. But like you could have a discussion about why that happened. But the bigger problem actually has been in the last five to six years is that the trust level between our neighbors and the people around us has gone from eighty percent of people saying that they trusted. People around them, their neighbors, if you will, the community around them, to it being closer to twenty or thirty percent now.
0: Yeah, that's believable. And partly we're just a lot more transient, so you don't know your neighbors. It's hard to trust people you don't know. For more on that, go ahead and listen to our episode from last week.
1: (laughs) Right, but but I look at that and I go, oh, we we have become a doubtful of the motivations of the people around us, we have become doubtful and untrustworthy and unhopeful of the God that we serve of yeah. the faith that we put things in. And again, we could have a discussion about why that deterioration has happened. Sure. And I think that there's a good discussion to happen around the church and about around the evangelical church or around the Catholic church or around whatever yeah. church you want to have a discussion about. You can talk about why that happened. But ultimately, it lands on our plate of going, oh, man, yeah. will I have hope in God?
0: Yeah.
1: Do I have hope in the people around me? Yeah. And do I instill that hope in God and in, the, and in myself to the people yeah. around me? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that we do that well, right? And we don't yeah. have that discussion. So
0: Yeah. No, I come, obviously, I agree. And I think, too, we are in a, in a time in our world where things do feel a lot less um, reliable than they used to. Yeah. So I'm going to back away from the word trustworthy because I think trust is also bound to education level and SES and, and racial demographics and, you know, some of those I things. I don't even know what SES is. Oh, socioeconomic ready. status. Okay. Rich or poor, basically.
1: Clearly um, you look like, this is like one of those government statements. Where sorry. It's like, I put an HJG on my, <laughs> his IEP of his LBOJ. And I'm, I'm, like, sorry, right, it, and I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. Socioeconomic status, um, rich or poor. But, but to me, it, it feels less stable, right? Like I, you moved around a ton growing up. Right. And so I think sometimes that's obvious in the way that we interact with people and the depth that you're willing to go with them. And I, while I moved a fair amount in my early, early years, little years, once I hit grade school... I was stable. I I did, you know, most of grade school, all of junior high and all of high school in the same city, at the same church, with the same group of people. And there was some movement, of course. New people came in and people moved away. But kind of not really. Like, we weren't near a military base like we are here. You know, we the industry we were in was, people sort of got jobs in it and stayed, right? It was yeah. fairly unionized at the time. So... My perspective on what it meant to be neighbors with somebody is that, I mean, you would spend years and years and years and years next to people who are your neighbors. Yeah. And while we have lived in the same area now for 17 years, we've had five different addresses. Four different addresses. Right. Four different addresses. So
1: four different sets of neighbors.
0: Four different sets of neighbors. And, you know, and I think we're typical. Yeah. And not only that, but the people that live around us where we are now, they come and go as much as we did. So few people that live around us are the same people that were living around us when we first moved in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that also changes that idea of like how how well can you count on people around you? And I think that there are some aspects of our modern age. as awesome as it is to work from home remotely. I love that you can work on the live on the West Coast and work on the East Coast. But it also means that there's less stability. Mm. And so learning to trust people and learning to have hope for what comes next, um, it has to look different. Yeah. We don't have less reason to hope. We just have to find different places on which to rest that hope. And unfortunately, it seems like people have rested that sometimes in politics, which we've now shown Isn't trustworthy. (laughs) Um, If you didn't know that already. And, or we, we trust specific leaders like our pastor or our favorite small group leader or, but those relationships change too. And so I think that's to me one of the things that we need to consider when we're considering trust and hope is um, where do we pin our internal security? And some of this actually comes back to what we talked about last week. of like, how do we see our real selves and how much are we pinning our version of our real selves onto something that isn't actually stable?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it, um, I mean, coming back to even what you were saying about uh, this idea of, liturgy within the church what yeah. does that look like then from a relational standpoint mm. with with your neighbor right
0: relational liturgy That's or great.
1: community you know what is it what does it look like i mean i get yeah. that we can grow in our trust in god by this idea of repetition and reminding each other about the good that God has done throughout history or in our own lives, testimonies, whatever it is. But how do you grow that, that hope in yourselves and in the people around you? What do you, what do we need to do to grow trust or grow hope? in the motivations of our neighbor who may actually disagree with us on our faith, who yeah. may actually disagree with us on our politics, who may, and mm-hmm. those things that we oftentimes become those common factors between yeah. people. When those common factors don't exist, does hope and faith, can it not exist there too? Or hope and mm-hmm. trust, can it not exist? I think it should. Yeah, but what, I think so too. how do you too. do that? Yeah.
0: yeah, That's such a great question. I hope you weren't thinking I had an answer ready. For I was that. hoping
1: that maybe, you, as I was speaking, you would just come up. <laughs> I with would that. just come
0: up with some, some brilliant flash of insight on. I think. Well, I I think it goes back quite a bit to what we were talking about last week, which is just um, that there has to be a sense of connection. You you can't have you can't have a story to tell with somebody who you refuse to interact with.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. I also think that there's an element of hope and trust requires that you um, start from a basis not of doubt, yeah. but of faith. Yep.
0: You have to believe that that person can be part of your people, yeah. not an enemy, but somebody yeah. that is objectively enough like you to be one of you.
1: And that that person has enough um, that though they may not act or do the things the way that you would do them, that they still want good. I yeah. think that, like, we Well, we and they just have value. I, I think, you know, this comes back to, like, some of the discussion about, like, original sin and some uh-huh. of these things where people, like, we love, and especially, I think, Christians more so than even non-Christians, but I think it's become very cultural now. We love to think that people are evil. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of start from a standpoint of, well, people do dumb things. They will do the most selfish, terrible, and I think there's some truth to that but not really. But in yeah. but in many ways hurting
0: people often will yeah. react out of that. But well cared for people don't typically Exactly. Do
1: that. And so yeah. coming back and going, "Oh wow, that person made a decision I totally would never have made." Yeah. And then going, "Why? Yeah. What drove them to a point where that was what they chose to do?" It's not because they they sit around and they're just evil innately. Right. What did they experience that kept them from being able to be hopeful?
0: Yeah. I think, man, that is a, a huge call to lay on people to examine sort of what do we believe other people's motivations are. Yeah. But I think this is a nice segue into what we're going to talk about next week, and then maybe we can sign off. But next week, we're going to be talking about the magic prayer and... um we can define what that is then. But this element of believing that people are, um, awful and that they need immediate rescue to be like us, right? The rescue is you need to be like I am right now. Um, that's actually one of the core bases of the magic prayer and how it came to be and why it's such an institution in the evangelical church now. Yeah. So, um, we could maybe make the argument that some of the same foundations that led to its advent and use, um, continue in our culture, continue to influence the way that we, and especially Christians maybe, uh, tend to view other people yeah. that if they are, um, if they are horrid and need immediate rescue, um, if that's the lens we bring with us to everything, it is going to change the way that we choose to interact with people around us. Yeah. So we I very much look forward to that conversation. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week. But until then, you can find us where, Corey?
1: At breadandcuppodcast.com. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, at breadandcuppodcast. Mm-hmm. That's right, right. That's right, yeah. I clearly go there very quickly.
0: Breadandcuppodcast.com mm-hmm. or at breadandcuppodcast on social mm-hmm. media platforms. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cut Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.